0: Well, today we come back to Psalm 119, and if you're reaching for your bulletin, there's no need, uh, because the study guide is not in there today. As you may have known, over the past few weeks, we've had a series of unfortunate events take place that uh, started with uh, some very serious things, uh, death of folks related to our church and, and very sad that continued then with the great storm Friday before last that made its way into uh, the back part of our church buildings and uh, and it wiped out so much. The walls have been torn out, ceilings have been torn out, carpets been torn out, and finally the the mildew smell is starting to diminish a little bit. Hopefully you didn't smell it too bad when you came in this morning. I'm telling you, if you had to work here you're thankful that it's diminishing and you're going to be tickled when it's gone because it's it's been horrible. But with that our printer also went out and uh, the guy, the, the group that the services our printer couldn't get here to tomorrow so we don't have study guides for you. It uh, just seems to line up with everything else that's happening right now so just bear with us. If this happens again what we'll try to do is put a blank sheet of paper in so you can at least take notes I think that's very helpful and very positive. So if you would, you can still grab a clipboard and a pen from the book rack, grab your bullet, and write it on there somewhere, write the notes down, because I really think this study today is going to be extremely beneficial, particularly for two groups of people. Maybe this won't hit everyone right now where you are, but there are two groups of people here today that I think it's going to extremely benefit. Number one, is for those who are going through difficulties, those who are going through problems. I've got news for you. What we see David facing in Psalm 119, and particularly today as it just seems to escalate to a very dangerous place in his life... We know that that same thing is happening in lives of people all across our country and even in the church. And so this is going to be beneficial for you. It's also going to be beneficial for the group of people who you're close to someone who's going through problems. Because I think that it's going to help you know how to encourage, how to talk to them, how to share with them. Uh, Because they probably desperately need that right now. They may or may not be willing to hear it all, but they are probably in desperate need of it. So it's going to give you an opportunity to hopefully learn some things from David that will give you the ability to communicate and help those who are in a bad situation. So what do we want to see from this passage? Today we're in section number 11. We're going to be dealing with verses 81 through 88. And uh, there are three things I want you to see about David's life. The first of which is this, if you're writing these down, put it down somewhere. Number one, we see that David was a guy who was under pressure. I mean, this guy was facing some extreme pressure in his life to the point that he had just about gone as far as he could go. Look, if you will, verses 81 through 84. If you don't have those, I think you can follow along on the screens. Verse 81 through 84 says, David is speaking, he's talking to God. He says, I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, but I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. How long must I wait? When will you punish those? who persecute me. Now if you've been in a situation like this, if you've been a person who's living under extreme amounts of pressure right now, you can probably relate very well with what David is saying. You probably can feel the pain in his voice. You can probably feel the pain in what he's saying. You can probably feel the hurt in what David is going through. David certainly has not forgotten that God is, is his hope. He tells us that in verse 81. He said, but despite the fact that my hope is in your word, I, I'm really struggling right now, God. I'm struggling with what's happening in life. I'm struggling with the problems and difficulties of life. But there's another struggle that's also seemingly overwhelming to me. And that is that while I'm calling out to you, God... You seem to be really silent right now. You seem to be distant. You seem to be slow in responding to what's happening in my life. God, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm hurting so badly. When will you comfort me? Can you imagine being under such extreme pressure? Going through such difficult things in life and crying out to the one that your hope is placed in. And yet feeling that he just isn't responding. Some of you can imagine because you're there now. Some of you are experiencing this just as David has experienced it. David says, I'm totally spent. I'm just worn out. I've been looking for your promise to be fulfilled in my life. I've been looking for you to deliver me. I've been looking for you to step in and do what only you can do. And yet, verse 84 How long do I have to wait? When are you going to punish those who are persecuting me? Unfortunately for David, the pain that he's in doesn't end with the pressure. In fact, the second thing we see, number two in your notes, if you want to jot this down, we also see that this is a guy who is under fire. He's under pressure, no doubt, but he's also under fire. There's a group of people who are working against him in some very big ways. Verse 85 tells us, These arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug deep pits to trap me. That's interesting what David says here these people who have slandered me they have mocked me, they have ridiculed me, I see what's going on, I understand what they're up to but now they're taking it even further because they not only want to destroy my reputation they also want to destroy me period and they're digging traps, they're setting traps for me along the way it reminds me of what Daniel said Uh, or is said about Daniel in the book of Daniel when when the uh, people who were around the king were so jealous of him and the authority and the power that the king had given him so they set a trap for him they went to the king and they said write this decree that no one can pray to anyone but you over the next month knowing that David would do that they set a trap for him and what did David do went into his room as regular Opened up his windows so everybody could see. He got on his knees and started praying to God. He was thrown into a lion's den for it. That's a pretty big trap, right? I mean, you would agree that that's not something that most of us would like to see happen on a regular basis. We get thrown into a den of lions. David had gone through some issues. And he's saying, now, I see what they're up to. They're setting these traps. They're digging the pits for me. They're trying to make me fall interestingly David gives three very important thoughts about these particular people these that he has determined are his enemies number one he says they are very proud they're very proud these arrogant people number two they're not following God these arrogant people who hate your instructions and number three they're trying to kill me number one They're proud, number two. They're not following God, number three. They hate me. They despise me. They're trying to kill me. David lays out for us a, a quantifiable way for us to determine who is an enemy for us. I mean, he's very direct. He's not saying, well, you know, basically they're good people. Basically, these are, these are some really sweet people. They, they just for some reason have an issue with me. No, he just says it like it is. David looks and sees what's going on in the situation and he says, these are my enemies. These are my enemies. And you would have to agree with me that someone who's trying to destroy you, someone who's trying to kill you is probably not your best friend. I at least hope that you could agree with me on that. These are probably not your best friends. David is telling us again what we have seen several times in this study, that God is bringing us to a place to where he wants us to see things as they really are in this world. The media, the television, the newspapers, the magazines, the radio, will paint its own picture of what it wants us to believe about society. But what David is trying to show us is, hey, here's a group of people who for whatever reason despise me, they've mocked me, they've ridiculed me, and now they've escalated their game to where they're trying to destroy me. They're proud. How do we know if someone is an enemy or doing something? We look at the same things that David saw in these people. They're proud. Remember that God despises a proud look. God hates pride. He says he resists the proud, he uplifts the humble, he embraces the humble. These people not only are proud, but they are not following God. Now, it stands to reason, if I'm proud and God hates pride, then I can't be following God. Because I'm more concerned about what people think of me than I am of what people think about God. My pride overshadows everything else, right? And so if I'm a proud person, if pride is swelling me up to where I'm considering my accomplishments to be more important than what God does, or or what I think of myself is more than what I think of God, then I can't be following God also. Because what I've done is established another God instead of God, and that God is me. And so David says, look and see that these proud, arrogant people do not follow God And they're trying to kill me. And he wants us to understand that we can observe the same things going on. It's not that we push people away. It's not that we stop loving them. We stop telling them about Jesus Christ. But we acknowledge what's happening. And we stop being a confidant to them or with them. We stop taking them into our confidence because they'll take and use what we say against us. We stop trying to gain their affection and their attention. Why do I want someone who's trying to destroy me to, to be more focused on me? Now this is common sense, I hope. But the problem is we push away the people who are really trying to help us, who really love us, who are really trying to strengthen our relationship with Christ. And we grasp for those who are trying to hurt us. Don't understand that mentality. I really don't. I know it's something that a lot of us have problems with. We're people pleasers. Maybe that's the biggest clue in this thing. We're people pleasers, and so we really want to please those who hate us. Instead, what we need to determine is that we're just going to please God. And if everybody else likes it, then that's really great. But if nobody else likes it, it really doesn't matter. Because I have a responsibility to live in obedience to Almighty God. You say, well, no, you're our pastor. You work for us. We pay your salary. You have to do what we tell you. Let me tell you something. When that day comes, that's the day I leave. Or at least that's the day you ought to want me to leave. Because my responsibility is to obey God. My responsibility is to do what God directs me to do. Now, your responsibility is the same. To be obedient to God's direction in your life. So David lays it out. He says, I'm a man that's under pressure. I'm a man that's under fire. But interestingly, he's also a man who is under control. Number three. Number three is a man who's under control. Under pressure, yes. Under fire, yes. Yet, under control. Now, the interesting part about this is that it's not his own control. We saw last week the sovereignty of God. How God controls life. And what David was learning through this process was that this is incredibly hard. This is incredibly overwhelming. This is wearing me out. And yet I know the one who is trustworthy. And it is to him that I will cry. Notice what he says in the remaining verses 86-88. through 88. He says, all your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refuse to abandon your commandments. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your laws. Last week we saw David going back into his life and observing the good things of life and observing the bad times of life and the common denominator he found in both situations was that God was always faithful God was always faithful David now in such an extreme situation says I I don't even know how I'm still moving forward I mean these people Have all but destroyed me. They've almost finished me off. And yet, God, I know that you are trustworthy. I'm not looking to somehow come out of this by my own strength and my own abilities. I know that I cannot overcome what's happening. I know I can't. But, God, I know that you are faithful. That you've promised that you would never leave me and you would never forsake me. And as I look at your promises, as I look at what's going on in my life, I cling to your word, I cling to your promises. Because I know that even though something's happening right now and it seems that you've delayed your response seems that you're not listening to what's happening in my life. Even though all of this is going on, God, I know in my heart that you're faithful. So David shows us an incredible picture of one who under fire, under pressure still holds to the control that God has over his life. It's a pretty amazing picture. For those of us who are in the similar situation, those of us who would be under the gun, under pressure, under fire, those who are dealing with extreme difficulties in your life, then the way I see it is I've thought about how you would respond to information like this. The way I see it is there's two ways. At number one, you would say, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I'm just going gonna, gonna to forget that right now. Because you've got to know I, I am so worn out. I, I am hurting so badly. I, I just feel like... That, that I'm so overwhelmed that I cannot possibly go on. And therefore, the only thing I know to do is to just simply quit. I'm just going to give up. You have that option. But I think there's an additional option that you ought to consider it's to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. And I am so worn out. I'm just so tired. I feel so beaten up. I I, I just feel so overwhelmed that I'm not sure that I can go on. And therefore, I know how desperately, God, I've got to depend on you in this time. I know that, that my enemy wants to get me to leave you. They want me to stop trusting you. I recognize that. But I also know how faithful you are and in what I'm feeling and what I'm going through. The only thing I can possibly do that makes any sense is trust you even more. Now, I hope you can see that one of the options is pretty bad. One of the options is not going to benefit you. But the other for the child of God is going to grow you and develop you in ways that you can't even imagine. Let me assure you of something. If you're in the middle of a difficulty, it's not caught God by surprise. God's not sitting back and saying, Oh my goodness. How did that happen? But God has been steering things for hundreds of years, thousands of years, putting pieces of the puzzle together, moving your life as He sees fit in order to bring about what is absolutely best for those who love Him. And so the situation, while not a surprise to God, is one that He is using One that He is working through to either strengthen you, to mature you, to grow you, to equip you, prepare you, to help someone else in the same situation. Or even to discipline you so that you'll come back to the center of His will. God is at work in your situation. He has not deserted you. It may seem that He's silent for a period. It may seem that he's delayed his response. It may even seem that he's not listening. But I can assure you, even as David has, that the promise of God, when he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, will never change.